It is Thursday, October 22nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 7 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is the leader of the Accuracy Contest on Fantasy Pros, Jared Smola. Green Bay Packers at Houston Texans. Packers by 3.5, over under a 57.5. Packers implied for a week-high 30.5 points, so... Go back to the Packers that you have been playing in spite of what they did to you against the Bucks last week. Yeah, definitely. I think even some of the fringe guys are worth playing this week. I mean, I think Robert Tanyan, um, you know, assuming he's healthy, he got banged up in that game last week, ended up coming back. Um, so he should be fine for this game. I think, you know, he's in play. Uh, the Texans 27th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. Um, and I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I mean, he ran around on 90% of Rodgers' dropbacks last week. I mean, Devonta Adams being back is obviously going to hurt Valdez-Scantling's target numbers, but um, you know, th- there's obviously upside for a big play in what should be a shootout here. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll watch the ankle, certainly, for Robert Tanya, but this is the matchup that propelled Anthony Ferkser into national consciousness last week. So certainly try to have Tanya stashed if he's available in the league and uh, wait and see if he is going to play before you make your decision at tight end. On the Houston side, nothing really sneaky. Brandon Cooks is back to regular starting consideration because he followed that big game against Jacksonville with nine for 68 and a touchdown on nine targets last week against Tennessee. Jair Alexander has been playing terrific at corner for the Packers this year, but it doesn't look like there will be a shadow on any particular Texans receiver for him. The Texans move all their guys around enough that they should get free of Alexander at times. Yeah, it seems like he's been the biggest winner from the firing of Bill O'Brien. Cook saw just a 16% target share in his four games with Bill O'Brien, up to 29% over the past two weeks. So and we'll see if that continues. I would still bet on Will Fuller being the lead target getter the rest of the way, but you know, Cook should be right there as like a 1B. David Johnson gets a good matchup, but not catching passes. He hasn't caught more than two passes in a game since the three he caught in the opener. He's on pace to finish the season with 32 catches right now. Yeah, it's disappointing. We're not shocked. We talked in the summer about, you know, Deshaun Watson not targeting his running backs much. Bill O'Brien, you know, didn't target his running backs much in his offense. That hasn't changed with the coaching change. Packers are dead last in football outsiders running back coverage ranking. So this would be the week for Houston to, you know, try to get DJ going in the passing game. I don't think we can necessarily bank on that. But Johnson's ball carrying volume has been enough to keep him, you know, an easy fantasy starter. He has 16, 17, and 19 carries over his last three games. Yeah, it's just been a bad offense for running back reception. So don't assume that that's coming. Uh, I agree playing David Johnson for the carries. Last year, uh, Duke Johnson led this team with 44 catches, led the running backs with 44 catches. The year before that, Lamar Miller led with 25. Those, of course, were the two full seasons with Deshaun Watson. So we'll see if anything changes going forward. At tight end, Jordan Akins is clear of his concussion, but he's still dealing with a high ankle sprain, wasn't practicing Wednesday. I think we should assume that Jordan Akins is not going to play this week. Darren Fells is a down-the-list option. I would rather play Richard Rodgers, at least in PPR leagues. I'd rather play Fells. I just think he has the higher touchdown ceiling, and again, what should be a shootout here. Um, you know, he, He's been running the routes about 70% of the routes over the past two weeks. Packers 28th in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. So, I mean – Richard Rodgers might be a slightly better target bet, just with less competition, but I think Fells has a much higher ceiling, and I would I would lean that way. That's certainly fair. I think they're both at the level where you're saying, should I start Richard Rodgers or Darren Fells? And the real answer is, I don't know. Whoever happens <laughs> to score a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. 
Cleveland Browns at Cincinnati Bengals. Browns by three and a half here. An over under 50 and a half. It's down from a 52 open. Baker Mayfield still dealing with sore ribs for the second straight week now. Pulled early in that blowout loss to Pittsburgh last week. He's thrown two picks in each of the past two games. Kevin Stefanski said this week that he needs to do a better job of mixing up count or their snap counts to, to try to keep the defense from firing off as much against Mayfield. What my takeaway here is that I don't really want to play Baker Mayfield anyway. So the injury just makes keeps me from being sucked in by the positive matchup here. Yeah, and I mean, it's a slightly positive matchup. I mean, Cincinnati's 16th in football outsiders past the rankings. They're actually 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. B- Baker still hasn't finished a week higher than 15th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. Um, you know, he, he played Cincinnati back in week two. He finished that week 21st among quarterbacks. So just, just no reason to go to Baker here. This is a, this is a Kareem Hunt game anyways. Yeah. yeah. So there's no <laughs> Nick Chubb this time around. He had a big one last time. Kareem Hunt also scored in that game. Kareem Hunt is definitely a top player this week. 62% of Cleveland running back carries last week. Just three targets though, among the team's 28 pass attempts. He's also dealing with a rib issue. Limited practice Wednesday. I don't think it endangers his playing time or anything, but you know, maybe a slight touch limit. Yeah, you know, he, um, two weeks ago, he had the cramps at the end of the game. Then last week, I think they just pulled him because they were getting blown out by Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about Hunt the last two matchups against Indy and Pittsburgh, two of the better run defenses in, in the NFL. Now he gets the Bengals, who are 23rd in football outsiders, run D rankings. Cincinnati giving up 5.2 yards per carry through running backs. Like, like you said, uh, that first Browns meeting had a lot to do with that. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both had big games in that one. And then behind Kareem Hunt, there's Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard. I think the fact that they're both there makes neither a real option. Each guy had four carries last week against Pittsburgh. Obviously, we'd expect more carries available this week because we assume that they're not going to get blown out by the Bengals. But I don't think either guy reaches the point of being even slightly attractive. Nope. Odell Beckham's a guy you keep playing because you have to, not because you want to. I would try to trade him at this point after any big game that he has. Uh, Odell Beckham has not had a 100-yard game since week six of last season, and in the 16 games since, he's averaging 4.3 receptions, 57.4 yards per game. Yeah, I mean, Baker's poor play and Cleveland's run-heavy offense is hurting Odell Beckham. He did have 74 yards in a score against the Bengals back in week two. I mean, there's nothing scary about this matchup. So you're starting OBJ. Um, Jarvis Landry is, you know, much further down the line. Although it's interesting, I was I was looking. Jarvis Landry actually has one more catch in the same amount of yards is Odell Beckham so far. Uh, Landry just hasn't scored yet, and OBJ has three touchdowns. So that's been the difference in their fantasy production. Um, but, I mean, Landry's been like a lower-end wide receiver three. He said today that he broke a rib in that week five game against uh, the Colts. You know, we knew he had a rib injury. We didn't know it was broken. So he played through it last week. He's going to play through it again. But it, it just adds a risk because if he takes a shot in the wrong area, you know, he, he could miss snaps or even get knocked out of the game. And he's T.Y. Hilton anyway. He's cracked 50 yards twice all year, one game of more than 61 yards. He's averaging four receptions per week, no games of more than five. I'm not interested in Landry at this point. Yep. Austin Hooper, though, five catches in three straight games. That includes last week in what has been a bad matchup for tight ends against Pittsburgh. Over that three-game span, Austin Hooper has seen 24.2% of Cleveland targets. I mean, I think he's become an every week tight end one now just because of that target share. You know, it seems like he sort of settled into the offense. Probably not a major surprise that he got off to, to a slow start, you know, joining a new offense. Jarvis Landry struggles are probably helping Austin Hooper as well. 
Um, and the Bengals are 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So a much better matchup this week than last week for Hooper. On the Bengals side, Joe Burrow probably has some positive touchdown regression coming his way. 2.4% TD rate on the year so far. That's just 29th among qualifying quarterbacks. And more importantly, he's tied for the league lead in end zone targets, according to PFF so far. Tied for just 20th in actual touchdowns on those throws. So just four touchdowns among those 21, grading out well as a passer overall. Expect more touchdowns to come maybe as soon as this week. Yeah, I like Burrow as a spot start option this week. Um, I mean, he, he leads the league in pass attempts. He's second in completions. He's eighth in passing yards. Just hasn't had the touchdowns come yet. I think those will start coming. Burrow also, you know, gives us some rushing upside. He's eighth among quarterbacks in carries. He threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns against um, – the Browns back in B2. That came on 61 pass attempts, so we're not expecting that. But, um, you know, the, the matchup is fine here. Again, I think Burrow is, you know, right in the low-end quarterback one mix this week. And that was also the game where T. Higgins just started entering the mix. Um, he looks like a weekly wide receiver three now with wide receiver two upside. Four straight games of seven-plus targets, 21.5% of Bengals targets since week three. So that's the game just following that first Browns matchup. And he's only trailing Tyler Boyd by three targets over that span, 35 to 32. So I think uh, T. Higgins and A.J. Green also both among the league leaders in end zone targets. So Higgins could even see a boost with that TD regression if we see that from Joe Burrow. I, I would really like to have T. Higgins on my team right now, and I'd be starting him in most cases. Over his last five games, and he really, you know didn't do anything in week one, but over the last five, he's 14th among wide receivers and targets. He's sixth among all wide receivers in area. And so he's getting awesome usage. I, I We thought he was a good player coming into the league. He's played well so far. And the Browns are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Yeah, I think Higgins is a, is a strong wide receiver three this week. AJ Green broke through against the Colts. Still a lot more disappointing games on his uh, record for this year than there are good ones. So uh, the Bengals are moving him around the formation a little bit more. He's been running some routes from the slot, not catching balls from there. But it, that at least says to me that the Bengals want to try to find a way to get AJ Green going. He did have 13 targets in the first meeting with the Browns, did not produce on them. So I think if you're looking way down the list, A.J. Green could be an option. I would rather try to wait on another worthwhile game before putting him in lineups. Yeah, I'm with you there. I was listening to the Pro Football Focus um, Week 6 recap podcast. They were talking about how A.J. Green got a lot of his yardage on Colts linebacker Anthony Walker. So, you know, that speaks to what you were saying about them moving him around, getting him into the slot, you know, getting him in good matchups. And certainly the emergence of T Higgins that we were talking about can only help AJ Green find room and get, create those positive matchups. Joe Mixon did not practice Wednesday because of a foot injury that he suffered in Indianapolis, but he suffered that at the end of the second quarter and then came back and had seven more carries in the second half. So he should be good to go. Yeah, should be fine. I mean, if you own Mixon, I'd probably add Gio Bernard now just in case because, you know, Gio would be a plug and play starter if Mixon doesn't play in this game. Carolina Panthers at New Orleans Saints. Saints by seven and a half over under 51. Give me the Panthers with the points with here with the way the Saints have been playing. I mean, the Saints are still eighth in overall defensive DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, but just 15th against the pass. They've allowed 27-plus points to four straight opponents. They're the number 24 scoring defense for the season. Panthers are down from ninth to 15th in offensive DVOA after the Chicago game, but still 11th in passing offense. I think there should be a decent amount of offense in this game. Yeah, much better spot for Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I, I think he predictably struggled last week against the Bears. Um, better matchup here. The Saints are actually 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, so I think Bridgewater is an option if you know he's he's been your guy for most of the season. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. You know, we sort of saw the pendulum switch back to DJ Moore 
Last week he out-targeted Anderson 11 to 5. I wouldn't be surprised if that continues throughout the rest of the year, just you know, back and forth from week to week. So I, I think Anderson and Moore are both, you know, fine wide receiver twos. I think they're fine, but I think DJ Moore's a wide receiver three and Robbie Anderson's a wide receiver two on the border of wide receiver one. Teddy Bridgewater, I think there's upside as a streamer this week. The Saints have allowed the fourth most quarterback points on the season and more than 23 fantasy points to each of the five quarterbacks that they've faced so far. Right. All five of those guys have finished at least um 15th for the week in fantasy points at the position and four of those five guys has fin- finished top 12 so yeah much better spot for for teddy this week on the saints side we'll have to watch michael thomas still and now he has a hamstring tweak the ankle seemed ready for him to return in week five before the bye but then he got a team suspension for fighting his status not only affects him but we also have to watch him for the ceilings for emmanuel sanders and Traquan smith and uh tom Pellis report this morning on michael thomas made it seem like he was like you know questionable but you know bordering on doubtful to play in this game which is not a surprise after you know injuring a hamstring middle of the week so if you're a thomas owner i would you know maybe plan on not having at this point and be be you know happy if he, he does make it back to this game i do think sanders and traquan obviously get big boosts if thomas remains out and miles from youtube is asking uh, he says he's done with michael thomas who do you think i can get for him that's a good question right now. I have absolutely no idea. I think there's probably a wide range of possibilities on that. There'll be some people that say, all right, whenever Michael Thomas gets back, he's going to win my league this season. There are going to be others who say, I don't want any piece of a guy that has an ankle and a hamstring injury. Right. I mean, and we know high ankle sprains are tough. I mean, you know, we saw last year, Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara struggle coming back from high ankle sprain. So now that was already concerned for me. I, I wouldn't be selling low on Michael Thomas, but if I could get, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Devonta Adams would be possible after he missed a bunch of time and had, had a slow return, but you know, someone like that T- to me, though, Thomas is still like a top five receiver once he gets back on the field. Right. I think the only way that I would sell Michael Thomas right now um, is if I can find a team that's loaded at the spot where I can use some help and I can get somebody from them. That's, that's good. I'm not, you know, selling him off for anything, but selling for somebody that's good. That's going to help me the rest of the way. That is at least a top 15 player at their position. I I would sell for that, but otherwise I think I'd be waiting and seeing what Michael Thomas does when he gets back. Yeah. Agreed. Emmanuel Sanders, 23 targets, 18 catches over the past two games. I think he has to be the play over Traquan Smith. There's room for both of them. Certainly if Michael Thomas is not playing again. Yeah, um, you know, Traquan only saw one target back in week one when Michael Thomas was healthy. Emmanuel Sanders saw five in that game. So I'm with you. I think Sanders is the play over Traquan, regardless of whether or not Thomas is back. But um, if Thomas does play, I think Sanders and Traquan, for me, both, you know, fall outside of wide receiver three territory. Jared Cook has not caught more than two passes in a game since the opener. He wouldn't really be an option if tight end were any good, but tight end's not very good. So in in PPR, he might be another guy that I would, try Richard Rogers over, but I mean, it's, it's all down in the same range. I think that Jared cook, I think he's Darren Fells. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think cook once you get outside the, you know, top of the tight end position is one of the better touchdown bets. You know, we've seen him score in two of the last three games. The saints have the high implied total. So, you know, at, at a position where we're searching for touchdowns, I still think cook, um, you know, kind, kind of wins in that department. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. If they're, he's in this wide group, this big group of guys that you're hoping for two catches and one of them ends up in the end zone. Exactly. Anything else in this game? I wanted to mention Latavius Murray, who I think is in play. Um, you know, he, he's, he's averaging 10 and a half carries per game. Um, he has 12 plus carries in three of his five games. This could be a game where he gets 12 plus carries, you know, with the Saints home favorites. And then the matchup's obviously awesome. Uh, Carolina 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. 
And certainly in the current RB landscape where people don't have Miles Gaskin, uh, Dalvin Cook, and Jonathan Taylor on buys this week on top of all the other injuries, then there are plenty of people fishing for an option. Yep. Pittsburgh at Tennessee. It opened with the Steelers as one and a half point favorites. Now it's Tennessee by one point and over under 50 and a half, which is down two from where it opened. Deontay Johnson put in his first full Wednesday practice of the season this week. I'm guessing that watching Chase Claypool ball out probably made him start feeling better. Yeah, so this is where I'm super interested to see how this wide receiver core shakes out. I mean, it'd be crazy if the Steelers went away from Chase Claypool's, you know, anything close to like a, a full-time player the way he's played. James Washington has played pretty well, especially last week. But, you know, he's probably going to be the odd man out and become the fourth wide receiver now. You know, I mean, Deontay Johnson, 14 catches on 23 targets in his two healthy games uh, this season. I don't think he gets back to that level of volume with Claypool's emergence, but I, I still think, you know, Deontay, for me, at least jumps back ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster if, you know, ranking these Steelers wide receivers for, for fantasy. Absolutely, because there has not been anything good to see from Juju Smith-Schuster. He missed practice Wednesday. That's been the norm for him. He's dealing with the knee issue, and for me, everything that we see around him says to me that the knee is limiting him unless he's just not that good a player, and that was masked by Antonio Brown being there. But, I mean – I still think the way he produced early in his career, it says to me he's not fully healthy, no matter how big an impact Antonio Brown had. This is going to be definitely a situation to watch because I really don't know who to bet on. Chase Claypool has been down in playing time and boosted by Deontay Johnson missing time. And Pittsburgh's been the kind of franchise that leans toward veterans over young guys. So I'm going to be very curious to see how this plays out. It also seems too that like whenever Claypool is on the field, like he is like the top target on that play. You know, they've get, they're giving him carries. You know, he got another goal on carry that he scored on last week. You know, this matchup's good. We just saw Tennessee get smoked by Houston. The Titans are 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receiver. So I I'd, I'd roll with Claypool if if you get burned by him. You know, only playing half of the snaps this week. You know, so be it. But I I think he's going to be out there. I think he's going to remain uh, heavily involved in this passing game. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely the kind of guy who could play 16 snaps and get the ball sent his way on six to eight of them. So exactly. I agree. Right now, for sure, I would definitely play Chase Claypool and see what happens. Eric Ebron is going to keep being up and down. He there he's not even in a spot where we can say, "Oh, the matchup's great this week. It's definitely an Ebron week because we just saw that against Cleveland last week. The matchup's even better this time around. It's a crowded situation, so we don't know for sure whether the targets are coming, but his playing time's been fine. It's been it's remained above 70% for nearly the full season. Tennessee's the third worst team in tight end coverage according to Football Outsiders. It's the second best matchup on the slate. Um, by adjusted fantasy points allowed, according to our strength of schedule page. So I'm playing Ebron over most of the streaming level guys. Somebody asked in the chat earlier, um, Eric Ebron or Richard Rogers. I would play Eric Ebron in that case. Yeah, so would I. I mean, Ebron, he, he's on the field. He, he's running route. The, the matchup's good. You know, Tennessee's allowed a tight end touchdown in four of five games. It seems like Ebron's still, you know, one of Pittsburgh's top targets near the end zone. So I, I think he's a good touchdown bat in, you know, what should be a high scoring game here. Ben Roethlisberger's facing a weak defense, 24th in pass defense DVOA, but he just hasn't put it together and shown us the ceiling yet. 20 right. fantasy points per game so far. The floor looks solid, 229 plus yards, two plus touchdown passes in each of the first four games. And then he just didn't need to throw much against Cleveland last week. But like I said, the ceiling just hasn't been there. Yeah, he hasn't finished higher than 10th among quarterbacks in a week so far. He's only finished lower than 20th once. And he's been a pretty high 
floor guy. A lot of these Steelers games, they just haven't had to throw much, you know, especially in the second half because they've been easy wins. You know, this game sets up, you know, could be more of a back and forth shootout. So maybe we get more of a ceiling from Ben here. I think he's fine though. You know, he's shown so far this season that he's, that he's probably not going to hurt you. Right. He's not a guy that I would go searching for a replacement for, but I'm tempering my expectations. I agree though. The shootout maybe has a chance of having him throw the ball, you know, 44, 45 times. Maybe we get the passing ceiling this week. I think also limited target depth though. The, the, the Steelers have brought things shorter than we're used to seeing from them. And I think that has cut down on the fantasy ceiling. So a, a floor play for sure. Maybe don't expect the kind of ceiling that we might in most years from Ben Roethlisberger here. Yeah, I, I agree. On the Titans side, nothing sneaky. I don't think other than potentially starting Corey Davis, he's back from the COVID list, missed the past two games, seven, three and five catches in his three games so far. Not a high floor guy. He certainly could just catch three passes again, especially with A.J. Brown back in the lead now. But it's a fine matchup for Corey Davis because the Steelers have been good in run D. They're good in the pass rush, and they're potentially vulnerable in coverage. Are you considering Ryan Tannehill a locked-in starter then, or where are you at with him? I think that we have him low in our QB rankings this week. Uh, he is number one in the league in passer rating against pressure, according to PFF. 110.5 passer rating there. So – the thing that Pittsburgh is best at is also the thing that Ryan Tannehill has been best at. And he's, I mean, I know that the TD rate is still high, but I, how long does it have to keep going before we trust that he's just good in that area? No, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just all in on this Titans offense. I mean, I think Arthur Smith is like one of the best play callers in the NFL now. So I think the TD rate is going to remain high. The, the pressure thing is interesting. The Tannehill has been so good against pressure. He obviously just lost his left tackle last week for the season. So you know, that that's, bad timing with the Steelers coming to town who, you know, lead the league in pressure rate and adjusted sack rate. So, so it's an interesting matchup to break down. You know, if you've been riding with Tannehill, it'd be tough to go away from him. He's been so good. He's been a top three quarterback in two straight weeks. And I, I guess I just think the floor is lower this week because, you know, the Steelers offense can be really tough. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that they stop him this week, but I haven't seen anybody stop Ryan Tannehill yet. I think the, the one bad game that he had fantasy wise so far was when they just kept kicking field goals against Minnesota and they still scored 30 something points in that game. So I think Ryan Tannehill is like 12th on my quarterback list this week. I play him over Cam Newton. I play him over Drew Brees. If I have both Ryan Tannehill and Matthew Stafford available. I'm probably leaning Matthew Stafford, but I wouldn't drop Ryan Tannehill to get Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I would at least play Tannehill over Drew Brees now with uh, Michael Thomas's hamstring issue. So we can we can at least make that change in the rankings. And we've got a question from uh, Twitter asking, should you play Carson Wentz or Ryan Tannehill? I think it's a slight Carson Wentz lean for me. I guess Ryan Tannehill's the safer player, but I think Carson Wentz's matchup is a little bit safer. Yeah, I would lean towards Wentz there, too. Anything else from this game before we move on? No, I mean, Jonu Smith was limited on Wednesday, so it seems like he has a chance to play. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's a tough matchup. The Steelers are first in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings, but unless we hear Jonu's going to be limited in this game, you know, if he's active, I think you, you got to use him. And they also just lost Devin Bush for the season last week, so I'm not sure exactly how much that means for tight end coverage, but it at least adds a challenge to the middle of the Pittsburgh defense. So I, if I have Jonu Smith and he's active, I'd most likely be playing him this week. Yep. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Bills by 13 and a half. That's up one from where it opened, over under 45. You're back to starting any Bills in consideration after a couple of rough matchups against Tennessee and Kansas City. I'm probably playing Boston Scott over Devin Singletary, but they're very close. I mean, Singletary's just 
sucked the last few weeks now. 2.9 yards per carry over his last three games. And he has just 21 carries over his last two, just three targets. His his um passing game volume has sort of disappeared the last couple of weeks. He, he did still play 75% of the snaps last week, even with Zach Moss back. That, that gap might shrink this week, you know, in Moss's second game back. But a game against the Jets, the Bills should control easily. I think there should be enough volume for Singletary to, you know, be a decent RB2 this week. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see if we get more Zach Moss touches now that he's back. He's got a game behind him. Just 11.8 carries per game for Devin Singletary on the season, despite losing Zach Moss for three games. And yeah, I mean, despite being the incumbent with a rookie as his really only challenger for touches in the backfield. I know that the Bills have gone pass heavy this year, but I don't know. The whole situation doesn't speak well of their feelings on Devin Singletary for me. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yep. Cole Beasley, the only game under six targets, four catches and 45 yards, was the game against the Raiders that he left early this year. He has scored in two of his past three, including that Raiders game. He is the Golden Tate Jarvis Landry type that has scoring upside. Yeah, he's um, top 27 among wide receivers in targets, catches and receiving yards. He's 27th among wide receivers in PPR points. I mean, he got four balls for 58 yards on seven targets in the week one game against the Jazz. I mean, there, there's not huge upside here, although, I mean, he, he you know got in the end zone last week you're not banking on him for a touchdown but in PPR if you need like you know eight to 12 points I think he's a pretty good bet for that and with the way the Bills have been playing for most of the season I think if you're looking at wide receivers in that range of the rankings he's at least as good a bet as anybody else to find the end zone sure yep we'll see about John Brown didn't practice Wednesday and I don't know if this is a bad omen or just somebody screwing up the tech side of it but I look <laughs> at the injury report on the Buffalo website that just had Wednesday's practice reports and it had John Brown already not practicing Thursday and Friday. So <laughs> we'll see what's up with his foot, but I don't, I don't know if that's uh foreshadowing or what. I still can't believe he played against the chiefs on my, the first play of the game, you could see him limping around out there. So I don't know why they played him. I would kind of expect him not to play in this game. I think that makes Gabriel Davis, you know, like a deep league flyer, at least someone to consider in DFS that the rookie's been really good when he's had an opportunity this year. And in the two games that John Brown missed all or most of, Davis had four catches for 81 yards in the first one, five catches for 58 yards in the second one. He had nine targets in that second game. So, you know, Allen has shown that he's you know willing to go to the rookie. So, you know, I, I, again, um, it, it'd be more of a deep league play, a DFS play. But um, I think Davis, especially in this matchup against a bad Jets secondary, definitely has some upside. Yeah, I think there are probably plenty of people in our audience that uh, have decisions like that to make. And I'm sure our boy Adam Krautwurst would agree with Gabriel Davis being in contention. On the Jets side, Sam Darnold back to taking first team reps this week. He's got the shoulder injury, hoping to play Sunday. We'll see. I don't care, though. It's nothing but Jamison Crowder for me among Jets. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I guess Crowder's remained super busy and productive, even with Joe Flacco in there. I still think Sam Darnold will be better news for Jamison Crowder. Crowder, by the way, is just crushed the Bills. Seven catches for 115 yards and a score back in week one of this year. In his two games against the Bills last year, 14 catches for 99 yards and then eight catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, he is a is a must-start in PPR leagues. I think Darnold would be better news if he's healthy. If he enters the game questionable and then plays, I don't know. It might be something, but I, I'm playing Jameson Crowder either way at this point. Yeah, you gotta. Anything else from that game? Please say no. No, um, I mean, I think LaMichael Pirine is worth stashing. I think before long, he's going to be the lead back here. That's not worth a lot. But again, if, if a guy's going to be getting you know 12 to 15 touches, it, it's worth something. Yeah, the lead back in the Jets offense is about as useful as the person leading the 4th of July parade in your neighborhood. <laughs> right. 
Uh, Detroit Lions at Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons by two, over under a 55 and a half. Marvin Jones, no practice Wednesday with a knee issue. Uh, he's been hurting the rest of us, so it's might it's time that it comes back to get him. Playing time down only slightly last week at Jacksonville, though. Still played 81% of the snaps in that one. Yet another clunker. Uh, he has seven targets, three catches, 17 yards over the past two games. Yeah, just an 11% target share since Kenny Galladay returns. I, mean, I don't know if he's been banged up. I don't know if he's just washed at this point of his career. But you, even in this matchup, you, you can't use Marvin Jones. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking way on the fringes, the matchup presents upside. But that's all you can say for him. You can't be shocked if he comes out of it with no points at this point. And even with Marvin Jones struggling, Danny Amendola, 2-1, two, 2-2 two, and two catches uh, since his five-catch opener. So it's Kenny Galladay and it's nobody else in this offense. Yeah, well, th- this Lions passing game in general, even since Kenny Galladay returned, has, has just been disappointing. I mean, you know, Matt Stafford was in a great spot last week. He ended up finishing um, 25th among quarterbacks on the week. Stafford hasn't finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback all season. Now, the Falcons have allowed a top 12 fantasy quarterback in every game so far this year. So something's got to give here. Um, you know, I would bet on Stafford more than I, I'd bet on the Falcons defense. So I do think Stafford is a you know top 12 quarterback option this week. Yeah, although it's it's an uneasy top 12. It's more yeah. of like a Ben Roethlisberger thing. You're betting on the floor and not counting on the ceiling. Yeah, that's fair. TJ Hawkinson, at least just two catches each of the past two games, but he has at least scored in both of those games. So he plays a much less crowded position than the wide receivers we just talked about for the Lions. So Hawkinson's an option at least. Yeah, I mean, 16 targets in the three games since Kenny Galladay returned, 17% target share. Those are okay numbers. Um, You mentioned the touchdowns. Hawkinson also tied for second in the NFL with six targets inside the opponent's 10-yard line. So he's been getting those, you know, looks near the end zone. So I think he remains a good touchdown back going forward, especially in this game, which, you know, should be high scoring. DeAndre Swift, let's hope that this game pushes him to the backfield lead. He had one fewer carry still than Adrian Peterson in last week's big game against Jacksonville. Played two more snaps than Adrian Peterson, though. Uh, Both of those guys, I think, are in play for this game, but Swift is the clear leader as a receiver. 25 pass routes last week versus nine apiece for Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say to be careful with Swift just because the usage – Last week was less encouraging than, you know, the, the box score production. But this matchup's just perfect. I mean, Atlanta's actually pretty tough against the run. Football Outsiders has them eighth in run defense. They're allowing just 3.7 yards per carry to running backs. You know, that, that would make me shy away from Adrian Peterson, especially with the Lions being road underdogs here. And I think Peterson could get game scripted out. But Atlanta has allowed the second most running back catches, the second most running back receiving yards, and the most receiving touchdowns to running back. So, you know, Swift being the clear lead pass catching guy here. I think he's a good bet to do damage in the passing game, even if the you know ball carrying role might not might not be as big as what it was last week. Yeah, and Swift was also a bit fortunate last week. He averaged 6.1 yards before contact per carry versus 1.9 for Adrian Peterson. So don't overplay him, but I mean, after last week, you got to consider him for a starting spot. On yep. the Falcons side, I guess Julio Jones is healthy after all, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And uh, I guess that means a lot for Matt Ryan, who has been a top six quarterback in all three games that Julio Jones has been healthy in this season. So, you know, when Julio's out there, you can start Matt Ryan uh, pretty confidently. Yep. He, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, uh, Todd Gurley, all belong in starter territory this week. Even Hayden Hurst came to life last week. Still had just four targets in that game, though. Third time in six games this year, he has reached four catches. He's only topped that number once, though. He's an option, but I think he's in the top of tight end two territory and more of a DFS play. The Lions are the third best team in tight end coverage so far, according to Football Outsiders. 
Yeah, also third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So it's a tough matchup here. Uh, you know, Hurst is 12th among tight ends and targets. He is fourth among tight ends and pass routes. So he's you know, he's getting decent, you know, lower end tight end one usage. Another game here should be high scoring. So Hurst is a decent touchdown, but he's kind of similar to Eric Ebron in that he's out there, he's involved, but there are so many options around. He's going to fluctuate and never be a great bet for high target count. Yeah, I think Hurst and Ebron are like the exact same guy at this point. Dallas Cowboys at the Washington football team. It opened as Dallas with a two-point favorite. Uh, now it's Washington by one. <laughs> That's how little Vegas thinks of Andy Dalton and whatever's going on around them. And over under 46, it's certainly a game I would like to try to avoid where I can, beyond the, the studs, obviously. I'm not ready to write off the Cowboys with Dalton yet, but I'm also not betting on them heavily after what happened against Arizona on Monday night. Yeah, give me the Cowboys straight up in this game. Um, I think it's probably a bit of an overreaction to what we saw on Monday night. I mean, I, I think the Cowboys passing game will be okay. I mean, I think Dalton's going to be better than what we saw on Monday night. I still wouldn't want to use him this week. You know, Washington has been pretty good against the pass so far this season. I think Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb stay in fantasy lineups. Michael Gallup, you know, kind of stayed in the same role he was playing with Dak Prescott. Um, you know, just six targets. I mean, six targets last week, but it was on 54 pass attempts, so just an 11% target share for Gallup. So especially with a quarterback downgrade now, I think those long passes he had been hitting on are a lot tougher to count on. Yeah, um, I'm sticking with Amari Cooper. Uh, Ten targets last week, seven for 79 and a touchdown versus Cardinals, but I'm sure trying to sell him right now. Yeah, I, just, I, I think at best he's going to be inconsistent in an offense that's definitely bringing its ceiling and probably its floor down without Dak Prescott in there. CeeDee Lamb looks like a strong bet for targets going forward, though. And I I mean, I guess all of them are tradable. I wouldn't actively be trying to trade CeeDee Lamb right now. Yeah, I mean, you'd think Cooper has the most trade value still just based on name value and the fact that you know he had that garbage time production on Monday night. CeeDee Lamb might be the best bet for fantasy production in this game. He has the best matchup against slot corner Jimmy Moreland. Um, he's allowed 21 catches on 28 targets this season. And Lamb led Dallas with 11 targets last week. So, I mean, it's it's possible that with a new quarterback now, you know, that target gap between Lamb and Cooper shrinks. Yeah, I saw Matt Waldman um, was talking about CeeDee Lamb being the new Tyler Boyd for Andy Dalton and an even better you know, just athletically version of Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I like that. Dalton Schultz quietly caught four or five targets against Arizona. He has four plus catches in four of the five games since Blake Jarwin went down. The only game in which he didn't was the game where they lost Dak Prescott to injury. So Dalton Schultz is not anything exciting at this point, but he's kind of like a sneaky, okay, I guess I'm all right at tight end option. Yeah, no, like you said, he saw five targets last week, but again, that was on 54 pass attempts. So it was just a 9.3% target share for Dalton Schultz, which, you know, that, that won't get it done if it stays there. He did still run a pass route on 75% of the dropback. So, you know, his role didn't change. It's not like he, he's blocking more with Andy Dalton in there. So that's good to see. Um, Washington dead last in football outsiders tight end cover drinking. So the matchups there, you know, Schultz, I would start Schultz over Richard Rodgers. I'd probably lean his way over Darren Fells. Although I still think Fells has the higher ceiling. Yeah, I like, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say Darren Fells has a higher ceiling, but I, I would play Dalton Schultz over those guys. And I, I would lean his way, especially because I think Dalton Schultz is more of a weekly option going forward um, rather than a streamer, as I think sure. those other guys are. Yep. On the Washington side, it's a great spot for your boy, Terry McLaurin. Oh, yeah. I I, I wrote about it in our buy sell hold report, but he, he he's really only had one good matchup so far among the first six weeks. Now, now he gets a second good matchup. Uh, Dallas 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. The usage has been there for McLaurin. He's top five in targets. He's 10th among wide receivers in air yards. So, I mean, 
there, there's always a low floor with his quarterback play, but um, I think the ceiling is, is super high in this matchup. Yeah, and he's been putting up numbers. It's not like Terry McLaurin has let you down. The only thing he really hasn't done is score touchdowns. It's kind of tough to blame him for that one touchdown so far. But as you said, fifth among wideouts and targets, tied for seventh in catches, ninth in yards, tied for 58th in touchdowns. You keep playing Terry McLaurin, this could be a blow-up spot for him. Antonio Gibson, fantasy owners really want to get a lot more Antonio Gibson. It's it's not coming. I mean, maybe at some point this season, but just don't expect it. He's been between 9 and 13 carries in every single game so far. Five targets, four-plus catches, and three straight. I think that Washington is using him right now at the level where they feel comfortable. And Ron Rivera was just this past week talking about how Antonio Gibson was basically a receiver in college, so they don't want to overdo it with this transition here. And that makes sense. It's not like they're going for the Super Bowl. It's not like uh, they're keeping Antonio Gibson from this monster season where he's ready to be Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, it's going to be frustrating fantasy owners, but this is what we have with Antonio Gibson. Yeah, no, I mean, Washington's favored in this game, so maybe – that allows them to get Gibson a bit more work. And I wouldn't go expecting, you know, 20 carries, but if you, if you can get, you know, 13, 14, 15 carries out of him, he has five targets in three straight games. So, you know, even though JD McKissick is, you know, stealing, you know, more targets than we'd like to see, Gibson still does have five targets in three straight games. Matchup's good here. Um, Dallas allowing 4.9 yards per carry through running back. So I, I think um, Gibson looks good as, as an RB2 in fantasy lineups this week. I was going to talk about J.D. McKissick quick here. Top five among all running backs in both catches and targets. Um, he's 36th among running backs in PPR points. And again, in this matchup against Dallas, um, I think McKissick is in play in PPR leagues this week. Yeah, he's the guy that we shouldn't be starting, but you kind of need to at this point. Six plus catches in three straight games. Um, Last week was the second time this season that he's had eight carries and 40 plus rushing yards in a game too. He's basically James White, but without any of the touchdown upside. Yeah, that's fair. And James White from previous seasons. I have no idea (laughs) whether James White has that touchdown upside this season. Sure. Logan Thomas is what he is at this point. I don't think we have to say much about him. Yeah, exactly four targets in three straight games. I mean, again, a tight end that's worth something. It's a good matchup, but um, you know, we've we've seen the floor on Thomas despite the usage. Seattle Seahawks at Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks by three and a half over under 56. I really hope this team doesn't sign Antonio Brown and make this whole situation muddier, but at least it's not something we have to worry about for this week. There's already a chance that they get Josh Gordon back if the NFL actually decides to reinstate him at some point. Jared, did you pick up Antonio Brown anywhere this week? I did not. I tried in a few leagues, but my, my bids were far too low because I, I saw guys, you know, bidding 30, 40% of their budget to get them. Yeah, I mean, nothing's changed other than somebody reported that Antonio Brown is getting close to returning from the um, from his suspension and that Seattle is interested. We, we knew these things, so if you waited this long, you had to pay up for him. I'm not overly interested, but, you know, we'll see. For now, in this game, I think there's nothing to really analyze on the Seattle side. The studs should be in your lineup. I think Greg Olson is the only question mark. And the Cardinals have actually been a negative coverage matchup for tight ends this year. Neutral matchup by adjusted fantasy points allowed. There's always the chance in this offense right now that Greg Olson gets lucky with a TD. But Seattle also doesn't need him in this matchup. So he's one where I would play Richard Rodgers over him in PPR. Right. Olsen's targets have gone four, one, six, seven, and then one. So it, it does, you know, seem like he's not he's not a focal point of the passing game, obviously. Um, you know, this game did turn into a shootout. I think Russ's pass volume should be up. That should help Olsen. Um, you know, he, he's you know definitely outside the top 12 tight ends this week. On the Seahawks defense, they still might not have safety. Jamal Adams might not have cornerback 
Quentin Dunbar. Neither one of those guys is practicing Wednesday. We'll see whether they return in time to play in the game. On the Cardinals offense, there was no practice Wednesday for DeAndre Hopkins. Apparently no practice Thursday either. He's dealing with an ankle issue. He did that too prior to the Jets game. Um, ended up playing in that one, but wasn't didn't look like himself. I think he had like seven catches for 40-something yards. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think Christian Kirk is a fantasy starter this week, regardless of Hopkins' status. You know, he he's had two nice games the past two weeks. They've come in plus matchups, you know, on Monday night, he had two catches, both in for touchdowns. That's a little fluky, but you now he, he does have a 16% target share over the last two games. And it's just the matchup Seattle dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And by a wide margin too, the Seahawks are providing a 61% scoring boost to wide receivers. The next worst team is at 28%. <laughs> yeah, it was a goofy passing night all over for Kyler Murray against Dallas. And, uh, you know, I think the, the fantasy points masked it, but I, I guess let it remind you that it's, it's a volatile situation that you're going to have to kind of weather some ups and downs, particularly with Christian Kirk here, I yeah. think. But it's a high upside matchup, as you mentioned. And Seattle is also going to push its opponent to have to keep up score wise. So it's a, it's a nice spot. We expect more than three targets. Yep. I think you got to use Kenyon Drake, though. I'd sure be trying to trade him after that game against Dallas. Not sure if it's going to fool other fantasy owners into chasing after him, but it's a good spot. And then I think Chase Edmonds is a PPR option, kind of at the same level as J.D. McKissick. Yeah, I mean, on Drake, nothing changed with his usage. You know, he was still the clear lead ball carrier. He still lost most of the passing down stuff to Chase Edmonds. So that, that's just what he is at this point. You know, he, I think he at least looked as good as he had. All year, maybe the Cowboys defense just made them look good. Seattle actually has been tough against the run. They're allowing just 3.4, sorry, 3.7 yards per carry through running backs. They're ninth in football outside of his run D ranking. So it's you know, definitely a much better matchup for the passing game. I, I agree with you. I think Ch- Chase Edmonds is in play, sort of like in the J.D. McKissick area in PPR league, because, again, he is still doing the majority of the pass catching stuff out of the backfield. Yeah, I think there's less target certainty for Edmonds versus McKissick, but there's more touchdown upside. I think the big risk for Drake here is that the game just gets to the yeah. point where they can't really run the ball uh, as much. I, I, I certainly think that's possible against this Seattle team. Yep, definitely possible. Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Chiefs by 10, over under a 46. Sammy Watkins still not practicing Wednesday. I think at this point we assume that his hamstring keeps him out for another game. Uh, Demarcus Robinson gave us a 5 for 69 receiving line at Buffalo last week. Jared, do you know when was the last time that um, Demarcus Robinson caught at least four passes in consecutive games? That uh, was one of them against Denver. I will let you know when it happens because it has not yet happened in his NFL career. Once in his career, he has reached 40 receiving yards in back-to-back games. That was in weeks two and three last year when Tyreek Hill was out, Nicole Hardman was still an NFL newborn, and the Chiefs barely had any running games. Yeah, I mean, Robinson, not a guy I want to trust. Um, although, you know, he, he he was the guy that got the playing time boost with Sammy Watkins out. Robinson ran a pass route on every single one of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks last week. McCall Hardman's role didn't change. He played just 40% of the snaps, ran her out on just 38% of the dropbacks, got just one target. So, you know, Hardman looks like he you know has his role. Maybe if Tyree Kill misses time, then Hardman's the replacement for Tyree Kill. But as of now, you, you still can't use Hardman in fantasy lineups. Yeah, 34 routes for Robinson to 13 for Hardman. In a lot of situations, you'd look at this and say, what are you doing, Chiefs? It's Nicole Hardman, but it's Andy Reid. I'm going to assume that Andy Reid gets this more than I do. And uh, I'm just going to be glad that I don't have any Nicole Hardman because I wasn't drafting him. Yep. Uh, Anything else on the Chiefs side? No, I mean, we'll see if Le'Veon Bell plays. Andy Reid wouldn't commit to him playing when he was Mm -hmm. asked. On Wednesday, I'd expect Bell to play. I expect him to play, you know, a small role, him to have, you know, a package of play. So I think, you know, this is – 
still a week you can trust Clyde Edwards-Alaire in fantasy lineups, and we'll sort of reassess going forward. Yeah, be very curious to see how this plays out. There's at least room in this offense for both of those guys to be relevant. We saw it happen at times with Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy last year. And frankly, this duo is better than both parts of that duo. I think Clyde edwards Elaire is better than Damian Williams. And I think that Le'Veon Bell is better than last year's version of LaShawn McCoy. Yep. Plus, this Chiefs team is leaning more run. On the Broncos side, Noah Fant still limited Wednesday. He was limited all last week by that sprained ankle, and he didn't end up playing in that game against the Patriots. So... Probably closer to playing this week, but we're going to have to wait and see for sure. Yeah, tough match if he does play. Um, the Chiefs, fifth in football outsiders, tight end coverage rankings. They're eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, yeah, I still think if Fant's active, though, he's going to be a top 12 tight end in the rankings just because there's so few quality options. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Tim Patrick, we're all underrating Tim Patrick. He's 32nd among all wide receivers in PFF receiving grade. Four plus catches in four of his five games this season. I think the situation being in Denver and a bad offense with a man quarterback, it lowers his floor and lowers his ceiling. But I got to respect the upside of the player, at least four catches for 101 on eight targets at New England last week. Not a great option against KC, but fine as an option. Yeah, 15 targets over his last two games. Um, he's 16th among all wide receivers in air yards over the last two games. You know, they're taking shots downfield to him. That's a good fit with what Drew Locke likes to do. You know, he likes to chuck it downfield. Like you said, the, the Chiefs are a pretty tough matchup against wide receivers. They have been dating back to at least, you know, last season. So uh, to me, Patrick still falls short of wide receiver three value this week. But I think in better matchups, he'll definitely find himself there. I agree with that. I think he's a better bet than Jerry Judy, though, who has not showed us the same ceiling so far that Patrick has and has just four catches on nine targets over the past two weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Patrick's the better bet right now. And I would go back to Melvin Gordon over Philip Lindsay if I'm making that decision, unless we hear something from Broncos coaches that indicates they're changing. But Lindsay had a tremendous rushing day against the Patriots, 23 carries, 101 yards, zero pass targets. And that's the key difference here. The Broncos, I'm sure, still like Melvin Gordon as a player. They don't like Philip Lindsay in the passing game. Yeah, I feel confident saying that Gordon will do most of the pass catching work out of the backfield. He'll be the goal line back. I'm not sure about the carries, though, because even back in week one when Philip Lindsay got hurt, um, he was out carrying Gordon seven to five in like about, it was, I think, like a quarter and a half of action. So obviously a small sample size. Gordon probably still the better bet just based on the contract they gave him and all that. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, something closer to a 50-50 split as far as carries go. The matchup's good here, obviously, against the Chiefs, who are, you know, much easier to beat on the ground than through the air. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, an even split in carries. And I think Philip Lindsay is the better runner at this point. But the uh, the target disparity that I expect is what sways it for to Gordon to me pretty easily. Yep. San Francisco 49ers at the New England Patriots and probably this week's most unwatchable football game. Patriots by one and a half. That's down two from where it opened over under a 44. I mean, honestly, I think this game is just going to be gross. I'm at least not scared to play George Kittle here. This is not the Patriots defense that we're used to. I know we had that stoppage of Darren Waller earlier in the season. I, I don't think that that's indicative of what the Patriots are capable of. I mean, I I, I think they're going to try to take George Kittle away. Football Outsiders has them second in tight end coverage. You know, they also, I, don't know, I guess, held uh, Travis Kelsey to three catches for 70 yards in their meeting. I, I, I'm not saying you're benching George Kittle in season long. To, for me, it's a reason to not pay up for him in DFS though this week. Yeah, I can certainly get on board with that. I, I, I'm not paying for anything in this game. Debo Samuel, I think, looks okay as a low wide receiver three, but he still only has 11 catches through three games since his return. So, you know, even though he's looked good and doing his stuff, 
I'm going to temper my excitement on that front. Yeah, you know, he was limited the first game back. He's been a full-time player the past two. He has a 20% target share over the last two games. That's probably where he'll be. And he might get a bump in this game, you know, if, um, you know, George Kittle is limited a bit. It's a tough matchup against a solid Patriots secondary. But, you know, especially the way San Francisco uses Debo. I mean, we saw him, you know, catch a couple of those, you know, pop passes where, you know, it's basically handoffs last week. So just the way they use Debo, I'd feel okay about him as a wide receiver three. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that last year, this matchup would have been like a no chance of my playing Debo Samuel this year. It's like, all right, fine. I'll play Debo as in my wide receiver three or four spot. Yep. Brandon Ayuk though is out of starting contention for me until further notice. Just one game so far this season with more than three catches in his five appearances, you know, QBs have been in and out. So I'm sure that plays a role in it. He's a rookie. We'll see where it goes. I don't have anything against Ayuk, but just him plus the situation, not something I'm excited about for upside right now. Yes. That's still a full-time player in this offense. So I think there's going to be weeks where he's an option. Um, He also has just a 13% target share now over the last two games when Debo has been back to full health. You know, I think Ayuk is the clear number three option in this passing game now, and it's still a run leaning offense. So, you know, the volume is not going to be great for him and you throw in a tough ish matchup this week. And I think he's something you don't want to use if you can help it. That run leaning offense has a messy backfield situation this week now too. Raheem Mostert is, is on IR. It doesn't sound like Tevin Coleman's in play for this week. Jeff Wilson put in a limited practice Wednesday after he missed last week's game with a calf injury. So he should be back in the mix. We'll watch to make sure that that happens. So Jeff Wilson Jr., Jarek McKinnon, Jermichael Hasty. assuming that all those guys are active, I'm going McKinnon, then Wilson, then Hasty in my pecking order of Niners backs. Yeah, I mean, I'm going McKinnon first, but it's not super confident. I mean, in the two games where he most or missed earlier this season, McKinnon had 14 carries in both of those games. He had 12 total targets in those games. But I, I don't know. At the end of that game on, what was it, Sunday night, Jermichael Hasty received the final nine carries of that game. And, you know, it was it was still in doubt, especially after the Rams got their late touchdowns. So I don't know if McKinnon was banged up. He just, you know, was out of gas for the night or what. But that, that scares me a little bit. Um, I, I still think, again, McKinnon – is the best bet here. I think he's at least likely going to do most of the pass catching st- stuff, what helps, which helps, but um, I'm not you know, totally confident he's going to you know, be the clear lead ball carrier here. I'm not even a little bit confident in any of them. So I would avoid it if I can. Like if I have Antonio Gibson, I would play him right. over these guys. In PPR, I might even play JD McKissick over all these guys because I would not be shocked if none of them does anything in this matchup. I know we just saw the Broncos go there and win. I think Philip Lindsay is a much higher upside player than any of these running backs at this point. I'm honestly surprised at how much people were paying for Jermichael Hasty on waivers this week. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the 49ers running back. Like we've seen, you know, no namers come in for Kyle Shanahan and Purdue. So I, I get stashing Hasty. You can't use him this week. Um, I would definitely start Gibson over all these guys. I would play McKinnon, McKinnon over McKissick. Yeah, I could see that. I wouldn't argue against playing McKinnon here. Um, I'll be curious to see if we hear anything heading into the weekend, but we probably won't. Yeah. On the Patriots side, I think this is a garbage pass offense. I think it's starting to get exposed. And I think that Cam Newton is a rushing touchdown reliant quarterback with wide variance. And the problem with that wide variance is that there are so many quarterbacks that don't have such wide variance in their production. So I'm trying to trade Cam Newton right now. I think he's on the fringe of starter territory this week, but I I would like to just have him be somebody else's decision week to week going forward. Yeah, the, the, the passing game sucks. No argument there. Um, and, and Newton's obviously benefited from the, the rushing touchdown so far. But he, he's also on pace for 900 rushing yards, you know, over a 16-game season. So, so that that's there too. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a low-end quarterback one. Upside's probably limited just because, you know, this, this doesn't seem like a game that's going to shoot up. 
I'm playing Ryan Tannehill over him this week pretty easily, just because I think I can count on the player and the situation more. Yeah, I'm leaning Newton just just for the rushing, um, but it's it's close. And frankly, there's nothing exciting at the skill positions. I mean, Julian Edelman, James White, Damian Harris, they're all usable at some level, but none is the kind of player that I think that you have a special outlook for them and you need to you know, play them over somebody that you're strongly considering. Edelman has a 23% target share this season, but, you know, the Pats are dead last in passing attempts. So, you know, the target share doesn't mean quite as much. Edelman also has a 56% catch rate, which would easily be the lowest of his career. So he's definitely not a locked-in starter anymore. In the backfield, I think this looks like more of a James White game. Football Outsider says the Niners' seventh in run defense DVOA. They're 29th in running back coverage DVOA. So the the matchup, I think, would push New England to maybe go a bit more pass-heavy in this game and feature James White in the backfield. And we'll see whether Quan Alexander returns for the 49ers. He missed last week with a, a mild high ankle sprain, whatever that is. We'll see if Dre Greenlaw is in there again. And frankly, we'll see what difference it makes to have Dre Greenlaw in there instead of Quan Alexander. It might not really change anything. Um, we do have a question, uh, Julian Edelman or LaVisca Chenault. I mean, that's a decision I would like to not have to make. I would like to have better options than that. I guess I guess if I'm deciding between them, I would lean Edelman as his team's number one wide receiver. I, I guess we're not going to help much here. I would lean toward Chanel. Um, if for no other reason, then he's just a more fun guy to watch at this at this point. <laughs> I mean, I can go along with that. And I, honestly, I, if somebody was like, no, fight me over it, I'd be like, I'm not fighting you over it. It can be Chanel. <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers by seven and a half, over under 49. DJ Chark's usage was good last week. His, QB, his QB's performance was not and he basically said that in the post-game <laughs> press conference while trying not to say it. I would go back to Chark this week, and I would also stick with uh, James Robinson, who similarly has still good usage while the offense is just not delivering. Yeah, 14 targets for Chark last week, and he led the entire league um, with 193 air yards last week. So I think, you know, better days are coming for him. You know, hopefully his quarterback keeps throwing to him and doesn't, you know, ignore him after that post-game press conference. But yeah, so uh, LaVisca Chanel, another seven targets last week. He only caught three balls for 10 yards, but he got another, another seven targets. He has six-plus targets in four straight games now. Um, you know, he's still getting you know a carry or two per game. So the volume has been there, I think, if the Jags' offense bounces back at all, that, that uh, Chanel should have, should have a nice game here. And I'm never going to light up over LaVisca Chanel's target counts the way that you do, so I'll, I'll leave that area to you. Uh, I'm definitely not buying too heavily into anything on this offense right now. Jacksonville's been disappointing over the past two weeks on that front, and there's a chance we get a, a stronger Chargers defense coming out of there by Joey Bosa was very banged up in that game against New Orleans. He even uh, saw his snap count limited. Melvin Ingram has been designated to return from IR. We don't know yet whether Melvin Ingram is going to play, um, but he's at least getting close to that. We'll see if he's ready for this game. If both of those guys are back, I mean, it certainly helps the defense to have their strong, their, their starting defensive ends back to full health. Maybe there's an opportunity for the Chargers to work out some of the issues in their secondary, which has not been as strong so far this year as we were expecting it to be. Yeah, I would um, avoid Gardner Minshew this week if you can help him. I mean, he, he actually still finished quarterback 11 last week, despite you know a pretty crappy game. He's been top 12 now three straight weeks, but Doug Marone wouldn't even... You wouldn't say he's not going to bench uh, Gardner Minshew when he was asked the other day. So it's, it's just kind of a, a scary situation. I, I would try not to use him. That's nah, just the way you handle the shoe. You got to kick it around. Guess On so. the Chargers side, you, I'm playing Justin Herbert until he makes me stop doing so. Certainly not going to stop doing so for this matchup. And he's a top 12 guy, I think, going forward until further notice. 
Uh, I agree. Assuming Keenan Allen is in there for LA, um, he got in a limited practice on Wednesday. He had that back injury before the bye week left that game. I'm expecting him to play, but you know, it's a, a situation to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. Now, Herbert seemed to be okay even when Keenan Allen was out of that game on Monday night against the Saints. Mike Williams, of course, is back. Hunter Henry looks like a starter. We'll see what Mike Williams' floor looks like. He's you know, been the boom bust type throughout his career, but he had a big game, five catches for 109 and two touchdowns on eight targets against the Saints. And he's got a skill set with the downfield stuff and being able to go up and win 50-50 balls that really matches up nicely with Justin Herbert's skills. Williams might still be a boom bust guy throughout the season, but you know, this is definitely a boom matchup for him, especially if Allen is, you know, at all limited by the back injury that would only help Mike Williams. We'll see about the backfield here. Justin Jackson, we kind of thought things were leaning toward Joshua Kelly, but Justin Jackson had 15 carries, six targets against New Orleans versus 12 carries and one target for Joshua Kelly. Justin Jackson outproduced him in each area. So I think for this week, you got to lean Justin Jackson if you're yeah. deciding between them. But the good news is I think there's room in the matchup and in the offense for both guys to be starter level plays this week. Yeah, I agree. I think they're both fantasy starters in this matchup. You got to go, you got to lean towards Jackson. I still think it might be like a high end situation where whoever's performing better in a given game ends up getting more work. But uh, again, in this matchup, both guys should be in fantasy lineups. Anything else from that game before we move on? Nope. And before we do move on, somebody's asked a couple of times, trade Melvin Gordon for Antonio Gibson. I would not trade Melvin Gordon for Antonio Gibson in a full PPR league. Um, it's close, but I would not, but it, but it's, it's close. I'd need somebody with more upside. I'd be willing to move Melvin Gordon, but Antonio Gibson doesn't do it for me. Cause I think he's going to be this guy for the rest of the year. And the offense sucks. Yeah, that's fair. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night, the bucks by three over under a 53 Tom Brady has some fantasy owners panicking at this point. He had a rough outing at Chicago. That's what the bears have been doing to quarterbacks. He didn't need to do much against the Packers and he didn't Ronald Jones scored twice. The defense scored. This matchup smiles on him, though. The Raiders are 31st in overall defensive DVOA. We still have not seen a fully healthy Chris Godwin and a fully healthy Mike Evans on the field together. So I don't think we really know what the ceiling is for Tom Brady yet, or really even what the floor is once everybody's healthy and they're running the offense the way that they want to. It's a fluid area of the rankings where I would not be shocked if Tom Brady finishes like 15th or 16th this week, but I'm not betting betting against him in this spot. Yeah, I mean, he's been inconsistent this season. Brady has. He has um, three top nine quarterback finishes. He's been 19th or worse in the other three weeks. Like you said, I mean, it was the matchup two weeks ago. It was the game flow um, against Green Bay last week. I think Brady's going to be fine. Um, Seems like Mike Evans is getting healthier. He was at least limited on Wednesday. That's an upgrade from last week when he didn't practice at all on Wednesday. Evans, though, in in the three games that Chris Godwin has played, Mike Evans only has 10 targets. He's, you know, he scored a bunch of touchdowns this season, which is helping, but his, his volume has been kind of scary. Maybe, maybe it's because of the ankle. He just hasn't been healthy. I, mean, I don't think you're benching Mike Evans, but, um, you know, the volume has not been anywhere near, you know, wide receiver one level. And maybe you at least look into seeing what you can get in trade for Mike Evans at this point, since the numbers have still been there. Yep. Ronald Jones, a starter until the Bucks make a stop using him, but Leonard Fournette is uh, getting healthier. He's a full practice participant this week, right? Yeah, so I would expect Fournette back for this game. Um, you know, we'll see how much he plays. I think Jones is playing well enough, at least as a ball carrier, that he he should remain the lead guy. This this matchup is good. Uh, the Raiders thirty first in Football Outsiders run defense ranking. So you're you're starting Ronald Jones and you know hoping he doesn't lose too much work to Fournette. Right. Rob Gronkowski is a solid option as long as he's good to go. He's got a shoulder issue that kept him out of practice Wednesday. But if he's playing, he's been up the past couple of weeks and he's he's solid at a position that's getting unsolid. 
Yeah, he leads the Bucks with uh, 14 targets over the last two games now. You know, he, he seems to be trending up um, as the season's gone along here. On the Raiders' side, I'd like to have Derek Carr going forward, but I would like to not use him this week. Um, we just saw what the Bucks did to Aaron Rodgers, yeah. who was you know, playing as well as any quarterback in the league otherwise. So like Derek Carr going forward, don't like him, or basically anybody besides Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs this week. Yeah, so we got to keep an eye on the Raiders' O-line here because right tackle Trent Brown was added to the COVID list on Tuesday, I believe. So he, he's not going to play in this game, but the Raiders had to send the other four starting O-linemen home, and they need to be home for five days because, you know, they were in close contact with Trent Brown. So now if they all test negative, they'll, they're all going to play on Sunday night, but they're not going to practice at all this week. It's just obviously a, a less than ideal situation with the tough Bucks defense here. Yeah, especially when offensive linemen are sitting at home and eating without working out. <laughs> all right. Chicago Bears at Los Angeles Rams to close it out on Monday night. Rams by six, over under 45. David Montgomery proved to us once again that we should never consider him a lock to deliver fantasy points. Well, I mean, he still had a, a decent week, and the, the volume's there. I'm at least I'm at least done betting on him, like giving us these ceiling gains. But you know, he got another 19 carries and five targets last week. You, you, you just gotta start that in fantasy, even even if it's not fun. I even knew as I was setting DFS lineups that it was a bad idea. Anytime that David Montgomery is 20 plus percent uh, projected ownership, I should just forget about him. I don't care who he's playing against. That's that's a good rule. (laughs) Still starting for teams in uh, redraft. It's not the best matchup, but I mean, it's it's not a, a scary one either. Um, Jimmy Graham remains a fringe top 12 tight end. TD reliant, but he's around the top of the league in opportunities to score those touchdowns. Yeah, um, he's second in the league in both red zone targets and targets inside the 10-yard line. Um, he's also fifth among tight ends and targets and seventh in pass routes. So, I mean, I, I think calling him TD dependence, even selling him a bit short. Oh, <laughs> friendly words for Jimmy Graham. Anything else on the Bears side? Um, no. It's Allen Robinson and nobody else, really. Yep. Um, on the Rams side, no Jared Goff for me in this matchup with the Bears, as we talked about. It's been tough on quarterbacks in general. Yeah, and Goff, you know, maybe the most matchup-sensitive quarterback in the league over the past few years. Yeah, Goffel. I try to avoid the backfield if I can as well, but at least Daryl Henderson still looks like the first one in if we need a Rams running back. Yeah, Sean McVay was talking about his backfield earlier this week, and he didn't come out and say it, but he basically said that, you know, he views Henderson as the early down guy, Malcolm Brown as the pass-catching guy, and then Cam Akers just, like, you know, comes in whenever either of those guys needs a breather. And last week that, that was one snap for Cam Akers. So you obviously can't use Cam Akers. You know, Brown is, you know, very fringy in PPR. And Henderson's the guy. And I think he I won't say he's a safe bet, but he's definitely the best bet to lead the backfield and carries this week. Imagine if you looked at this backfield in the summer and we heard Sean McVay say Malcolm Brown is the pass catching guy. Well <laughs> crazy. They'd be thinking about firing Sean McVay, I think. But yeah. yeah. No tight ends for me. It's a muddled situation, and the production has been inconsistent at best. At receiver, I think it's a better individual matchup for Cooper Cup than Robert Woods because of the corners. The outside corners are stronger than the slot for Chicago, but both of these guys plays some in the slot, so it's not really a spot we need to avoid either wide out. Yeah, I was going to say, I know Cup plays more in the slot, but Woods goes in there 30 40% of the time, whatever it is. So you're you're starting both those guys. And, yeah, Tyler Higby, I mean – he had the one longish catch um, last week, still saw just four targets, um, ran the same number of routes as Gerald Everett. You know, that gap has been shrinking every week and, you know, they, they, they were even in routes last week. So you just, you can't count on Tyler Rigby. I agree. Anything else from that game? Uh, that's it.
That's going to do it for this Week 7 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. Check out our full Week 7 rankings as well as the latest buy-sell-hold report and all the usual tools and info to help you build winning lineups week to week. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.